Good morning, everybody. I don't always title my sermons, but uh, as I was going, you know, through preparing for this, um, I titled this one, To Sin or Not to Sin. And today we'll be talking about sin and, and how it's a choice. You have to choose each and every day uh, whether you're going to sin or not. And I hope you choose not to, but every now and then we fall into traps of temptation. Now, temptation by itself is not a sin. It's a trap. Once you fall into that trap, that's when it becomes sin. Once you give in to that temptation, that's when it becomes sin. I, I think we have a misunderstanding. A lot of people want to call sins mistakes. You know, I made a mistake. No, a sin's a sin, and a sin is against God. And it's what separates us from Him. And it's been around for a very, very long time since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden for the very first time and allowed sin and death to enter into a perfect world that God created. And it's got worse and worse. We can look around uh, the world today and, and just see how it's grown where people celebrate abortion where people murder one another. They hate one another because of political views. They hate one another because of culture or color of skin. Sin and, and hate, they go hand in hand because hate is sin and hate is murder. And we'll talk about that later. Hate for another is considered murder. But to sin or not to sin? That's the question this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to, to bring your word, Lord. And I pray that you just uh, speak through me this morning and, and let every word come from you and not me, Lord. I pray that you open the minds and the hearts of everyone here that they'll receive this message and, and if if they know you and they are born again that maybe they encourage them maybe they're dealing with sin that they need to repent of Lord maybe they don't know you as Lord and Savior and they need to accept you as, as Lord this morning I pray if they don't know you that you'll knock so hard that they can't mistake it Lord and that they'll receive you as Lord and Savior and not wait another moment. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. But we're faced with, with uh, temptation every day. There's different temptations and we each have our own things that tempt us. You know, some of us are, are tempted with uh, being hateful, being rude, being mean to other people, being unkind. Uh, some of us are uh, tempted with uh, addiction to drugs or alcohol. Some of us are, are tempted with pornography. And that's a, that's a huge temptation in the world today. But uh, whatever our temptations may be, uh, it's the desires of the flesh. And they can consume us. And temptation can then turn into sin. And sin is an immoral act considered to be a transgression 
against divine law. Well, the divine law is the Ten Commandments. And I want you to think of the Ten Commandments this morning as a mirror that you can look into and reflect on what your sin is because I guarantee you we're all sinners. But what is it? What is it, what is it that, that's plaguing our life? There are many ways to sin, and each sin breaks one of the Ten Commandments. You can find the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20 and verses 1 through 17, but I'll go through them. One, do not worship any other gods. That's pretty easy to understand. There's one God, worship Him alone, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do not make any idols. Many things can become an idol to us. Do not misuse the name of God. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not covet. All commandments from God. You know, Dr. Maples, he, he preached a great sermon on envy here a while back that really touched me personally. It really touched my heart. It grabbed me and made me realize that I had been envious and I was dealing with that sin and I had to repent of that sin. And what it was is in the world today we see people, and I won't name names, who are preaching a false gospel. They're, they're preaching false truth. The gospel of prosperity instead of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it seems like they have so many who, who follow them. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people listen to their message, being led astray from truth. And it seems like they have all the money in the world to, to pour into their ministry. Well, see, I, I've become bitter and angry about that. Well, I shouldn't have been thinking about that at all. I am a sower of the seed of the gospel. That's what I am. And that's what I have to do until I draw my last breath on this planet. That's my only job, to reach people with the life-saving message of the gospel. And as long as I honor God and bring glory to his name, I'll be blessed with treasure in heaven. But that's something I had to deal with, envy. And I've had to deal with many more. Paul, he was the chief of sinners. Well, if he was, that definitely makes me in the same boat. Makes us all in the same boat. Puts us in the same place. James, chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. If you stumble at one point, if you break one of the commandments, it means you've broken them all. You're the same in God's eyes. A sinner in need of a Savior, no matter what it is that you've broken. And that being said about committing adultery and murder, 
Let's look at what Jesus said about adultery and murder. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. You see, it's all about the heart. Murder begins in the heart. You can murder without actually committing a murder physically. In God's eyes, you have murdered if you've had hate in your heart for another. That's not just your brother. That's anybody in the world. If you have hate in your heart, you need to get rid of it. You need to repent of it today. And ask that you see with God's eyes and love with his heart. Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28 says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It goes both ways, men and women. If you look at someone with lust in your heart, you see that sin comes from within. If you lust after somebody, you've committed adultery without ever having any kind of physical contact. It's all about the heart. Our very thoughts that go unnoticed by man are always noticed by God. Our thoughts can be sin. And that sin separates us from Him. Another sin is idolatry. You know, Jesus knows our hearts. He sees straight through us. You know, we can come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and look really good. Like we're really doing something for God. Put money in the offering plate. Still, it's about the heart. Where's your heart? And where is Jesus in your life? My question, is Jesus first in your life? Does he hold that that sacred place that he should hold, that number one spot above all else, above your family, above your friends, above your job, does he hold that spot? If he doesn't, I can tell you, you've got a problem. Because he should be number one in your life if you proclaim to be a Christian. If you've given your life to him, if you're a born-again believer in him, he should be number one over all else. You should think about him constantly and pray to him constantly. And every time you fall into the trap of temptation and of sin, you need to be repenting right then and not waiting another moment. Because if you have the Holy Spirit, you'll be convicted and you'll know. And that's when you need to fall on your knees and beg for forgiveness. And he's ready to forgive you because he loves you. So much that he's prepared a way for you. Would you truly drop everything you have and leave it behind? 
to follow Jesus. Money, success, power, cars, houses, land, whatever it may be in your life, could you, could you throw that away? Could you push it aside? Let's see how Jesus used the Ten Commandments. If you would, turn with me to Mark chapter 10. And we'll be looking at verses 17 through 22. Mark chapter 10. Verses 17 through 22. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come Take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Verse 17, the man wanted to know the way to inherit eternal, eternal life. He wanted to be saved. As most do, even those who say they don't believe in hell, once you get into a conversation with them, you ask them, what do you think you could be wrong? Most of them say, well, yeah. Well, what if you are? Well, once you get deeper in that conversation, you'll find out that nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants to go to hell. Well, see, he's, he's seeking the way to eternal life. Free from hell. Verse 18. Jesus wasn't denying that he was good. He was showing that person who he was talking to. He was standing before God. Because Jesus was both fully man and fully God. And that's who was dealing with that rich young fella. Verse 19, Jesus takes the man to the Ten Commandments. He takes him to that mirror so he can look into that mirror and reflect and see who he is, what his sin is. And the man said that he'd kept all the commandments from birth. Verse 20. Verse 21 Jesus said, the one thing you lack, go sell everything, give your money to the poor. And he told him he would have treasure in heaven. You see, the treasure that we build up in this earth, the buildings, the houses, the cars, the money, 
It's all going to be gone one day. It'll all blow away, be done. It'll be dust. The rust to get it, the mold to get it. It'll totally be gone. The things that we should be seeking is the treasure that we build up in heaven by living for Jesus Christ. And then Jesus said, come take up the cross and follow me. Well, verse 22, the man went away sad because his money and his stuff become an idol to him. That's what he worshipped. And you see that because he didn't follow Jesus. He went away sad because he was told the way, he knew it was true, but he chose his stuff over Jesus. You see, the problem isn't the stuff. It's not bad to have money and houses and cars and all those things, things that we enjoy. There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong is when we take those things and put them in the number one spot in our lives. That's where it becomes a problem. That's where it becomes sin. It's not the stuff. It's the heart. Where does sin come from? Where did it originate? Romans chapter 5, verse 12, says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. That one man it's talking about in that verse was Adam. And we can see this in Genesis. And I'm not going to read all through Genesis, but I'm going to touch some points, some highlights that you can, you can go through and read for yourself later. But we won't read the whole thing. It'll take us too long. And I don't think y'all want to stay here. Y'all are probably getting hungry. But in Genesis chapter 1, God created everything in six days. Everything we know, everything we see, he spoke it into existence. Six 24-hour days. Everything we see, the whole universe, the stars, the sun, the moon, the fish, the birds, the trees, the oceans, and man, he created. He made Adam and gave him everything. A perfect world. Genesis 1.31, and God said it was good at the end of that verse, after he created everything. And God's standard of good is perfection. It was perfect. It was literally a perfect world. Adam was a perfect man made in the image of God. He was so perfectly made that even after the fall of man, he lived to be 930 years old is what it says. You see, sin and death hadn't taken hold completely just yet. And diseases and things that we know today, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse as time goes on. <clears throat> Adam was given one rule in chapter 2 of Genesis. Not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and of evil. One rule, one command. Here's the tree, Adam. Don't eat from it or you'll surely die, God told him. Well, we know by chapter 3, Adam and Eve broke the only rule given to them and allowed sin and death to enter the world. 
They fell for the trick of the serpent. And they died a physical death one day. The one who molded Adam from the dust and breathed the breath of life into him gave him one command and he couldn't keep it. And the rest is history. We see now that sin and death has definitely grown. Shortly after Adam and Eve committed the first sin in the garden and they were kicked out of paradise, Cain murdered his brother Abel. The first murder in recorded history happened. And that was in chapter 4 because he was jealous and he was angry. And he had hate in his heart and he acted on that hate and he killed his brother. Well, wickedness grew and grew and by chapter 6, Genesis, God was ready to destroy all of humanity and all living things. He was ready to, to wipe it out. But Noah found grace in his eyes and God instructed him to build an ark. And the ark would be the salvation of all the species of land-dwelling animals, two of each kind, Noah and his wife, three sons, and, and their wives. It took 120 years to construct that ark. So it wasn't like they slapped it together in about a week's time and nobody had any notice. I can imagine for 120 years Noah was, was telling people that this flood was coming. And they all thought he was crazy because this big ark was built where there was no water. It had never rained, the Bible says. They'd never experienced even a localized flood. But he's telling them this flood is coming. And he's building this huge ark. And if you've never seen the ark that uh, Answers in Genesis is built, it's, it's big. I've been on it. And it's, it's made by the specifications found in the Bible. And I'm telling you, there was plenty of room. More than eight people could have chose to got on that ark. But you see, only eight chose. The rest of them thought he was crazy and laughed. And they didn't enter the door of salvation, which was the door of that ark. And that sounds familiar to us because we know that the door of salvation now is Jesus Christ. And if you've been out witnessing to people, sharing your faith, some people will laugh at you. Some people will think you're crazy. They won't listen to you. Family and friends who we love dearly will reject Christ. Which we know is the only door of salvation. And it hurts. It hurts to see that. If you're not out witnessing to your friends and family, I encourage you to do that. Even though they're not going to listen to you sometimes. You're not called to save them. You're not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. You just need to be sowing the seed of the gospel, reaching people with this message, telling them this truth. All of humanity today are descendants of Noah. And we still have that sin nature that separates us from God. And, and I, I can tell you from going to New Orleans to Mardi Gras, like I have the past three years, you can really see the sin problem there. You can really get a feel for 
some persecution, which I don't even really consider that persecution anymore because we have brothers and sisters all over the world that are risking their life to share this very message, the gospel of peace. They know that they're probably going to die if they get caught, and they're still doing it. But anyways, we go down there, and there's, there's floods of people coming at us, and, and they're, they're drunk, and they're high, and they, they have nasty things to say. They try to hurt us. They throw beer bottles at us. They throw those beads at us hard, wad them up like balls, trying to hit us with them, scream and cuss in our faces. You know, I'm glad for the change that Jesus has made in me, that he's molded me and shaped me to have a love for people and to be able to see them for who they are instead of wanting to, to hurt them. Because it's hard to, to let somebody scream and cuss right in your personal space. And I'm talking this close. But it's not me. It's not my strength that allows me to be able to do that. It's from Jesus Christ. The strength he has given me. You know, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That puts us on common ground. Whether you're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ or whether you don't know him yet as Lord and Savior, we're all sinners. We've all sinned. We all fall into that trap. So don't ever think that you're better than anybody because of their sinning in a different way than you. Don't judge people because of their sins. And we'll look at some people sometimes and say, oh my goodness. Look at them. No, I tell you to look into the mirror of the Ten Commandments and reflect on yourself. Because you'll find that there's a sinner staring back at you. That's what I see when I look into them. I see a sinner, and it's me. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the wages of sin is death. We will all die a physical death. This body will not last forever. I'm not guaranteed the next millisecond. I may fall over dead right now. I don't know. But you know what I do know? I know that in May 2013, I made the best decision I've ever made, which was giving my life to Jesus Christ. And he's molded me, he's shaped me, he's changed me, and I know I'm saved. And if I fall over dead right now, I'll be standing before him. And that just makes me so glad and so happy. There is no greater news than the good news of the gospel. In that moment that you truly believe it with all your heart. You see, Jesus was perfect in every single way. He came from heaven. He didn't have to. He wanted to. He loved us so much that he came from heaven. He was born of a virgin. He lived 33 years, a perfect life, never ever sinning. And he was faced with sin and temptation at every corner, every turn. He was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. But he never sinned. 
And I'm so glad. He was taken and he was arrested. He was beaten. Horribly beaten. Tortured by the Romans. They took a can of nine tails and they, they ripped his body apart. And it's not like a regular whip. It tears flesh. The flesh was tore from Jesus' body. And I know that's graphic, but I want you to see it. And I want you to understand what he went through, the pain, the suffering. And they took him and they wove a crown of thorns. They pressed it into his head. A crown for the king, the king of the Jews. As they all laughed at him, slapped him, kicked him, spit on him. And at any moment, he could have snapped his fingers and went back to heaven. But he chose to move on. And they built a rugged cross. And he carried that rugged cross on his back for me and you. Where they nailed him to it. And as they were stretching him up in front of everybody, naked and alone, bruised, crushed, beaten for us, what was his words? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Whew. Man, can you see that in your mind? Jesus, our Lord and Savior, beaten and crucified for what we've done. My sin nailed him to that cross. We were there, not physically, but our sin was there. Now you have a choice to make. You see, Jesus died on that cross, but he didn't stay there. They took him down, they placed him in a tomb, dead. But in three days, by his own power, he rose again. I serve a risen Lord. Jesus is alive and well right now. And he's ascended into heaven. John chapter 14, 1 through 4. Let not your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. For my Father's house has many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. So where I am, there you may be also. That's a promise and it's fulfilled. He ascended into heaven and he's gone to prepare that place. Well, that leaves you with a choice to make. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning as your Lord and Savior, you'll never be the same because you've heard the message of the gospel and it's left you with a choice to make. Either choose Christ or the world. You can choose to deny Christ or deny yourself and take up the cross and follow Jesus Christ. And it's my prayer, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you'll make your commitment to Him. Because like I said earlier, I don't know when I'm going to die. And I know you don't know when you're going to die either. And I'm not trying to scare you into making a decision. It has to be a decision from the heart that you make. But you may not have another chance. I don't know. But you don't have to make that decision here today. You can make it anywhere. 
I was on the Western Kentucky Parkway on my way to work when I cried out to Jesus that morning. And he answered my call. He entered my life. He gave me the Holy Spirit that leads, guides, and directs me or I wouldn't be standing here today. I'd probably be waking up this morning with a hangover. That's what I used to do on Saturdays. That's what I looked forward to was drinking. That's what I'd be doing this morning, waking up with a hangover. But because of his grace, I'm saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what you have to do is put your full faith and trust in him. And you can do that wherever you are. Let's pray. Father, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that they won't wait another moment but they'll accept you as Lord and Savior right now. And if there's anyone here, Lord, that, that is dealing with some kind of sin, I pray that they repent of it today, Lord, and not carry that burden around with them any longer. Because our sin belongs on the cross, and we can keep it nailed there. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is open. If you feel like you need to come up here right now, you don't hold back. You come right now and you give your heart to Jesus Christ. Or maybe you need to come and pray about something else. If you'll come up here and pray, somebody will be here to pray with you. If you have any questions, come and speak to me. I'll be standing here waiting.
pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just uh, thank you for knowing us so well, God, that you make your message so simple. And we just uh, have to believe everything that Tyler shared with us this morning because it came straight from your word, God. And next, we just have to receive you. And we just thank you for the privilege of being able to do that. And God, before we leave, God, just want to lift up that person here that needs you the most, God. But I especially want to lift up that person who thinks they need you the least. Just bless them and keep them this week and let them see your mighty holy power in all they do and all they think and all they feel and all they experience and just uh, and help them to give you praise for the goodness in their lives. In Jesus' holy name, amen.